good morning. Welcome to all of you today. We're going to start out briefly. Scott uh, is going to come up with Pastor Adam, um, and I think any other elders that are here too. Was that correct? And we're going to just have a little bit of a prayer with him. Thank you. So yes, as Adam starts his journey with us as we go through this transitional period and into finding Pastor next, we want to commission him. So we want to pray for him. So uh, join us. Father God, we just thank you for for Adam and for answering our prayers of bringing someone to uh, take us through the transition of finding Pastor Next here at WCC. We thank you for his, uh, his gifts. We thank you for his um, willingness to say, yeah, I'm going to come and I'm going to serve. Father, we pray that he would uh, be bold in teaching your word and he wouldn't sway from it. He wouldn't turn left or right. He'd stay right in your word um, to help us grow. We pray for his life that he would model a good, growing Christian man, um, following hard after you. We pray for his marriage as he's separated from his wife for a short time. Um, we pray that uh, he would have quick connections here and learning our culture at WCC, and also for the, the relationships with staff and the leadership. Um, Father God, I'd, I just want to lift him up. We know that you brought him. We ask you bless him, and we pray that in your son. Heavenly Father, I just I, I thank you for how we can see your fingerprints on this transition. Um, just bringing Adam here when you brought him here, when just there wasn't really much happening. And um, we know that you are in this. We know that you are leading this. We know that you are sovereign on the throne in this and in all other aspects of our life and in our world, Lord. So just I pray that we would keep that in mind and be unified as a body as we move forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, a couple of uh, brief announcements before we continue forward. Um, first, VBS uh, is just around the corner, so if you have kids or grandkids that you want to sign up, uh, do that soon. Uh, also, their VBS is in need of two delivery drivers to take snacks from church to the six VBS homes by 10 a.m. on Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday on the week of July 11th. Uh, teachers' assistance. Uh, final meeting is on Monday this, of June 27th, so I think that's tomorrow, right? I'm losing track of my dates. And that's at 6.30 p.m. in the Rock Room. Um, people from the host homes are also invited. Uh, text Chris Schaefer for info. And her, oh, sorry, her info is in the bulletin. And then today, uh, there is a Rock Family Fun Day from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. out here. Uh, there will be indoor games, outdoor games, and some ice cream sundaes. And then finally, um, there's a registration for the family camp out um, coming later next month. Um, information in the bulletin. With that, if the ushers could come forward. We'll uh, bow our heads and say a word of prayer. Dear Lord, um, thank you for this day. Thank you for the many blessings that you have given us, both as individuals and as a church uh, body. Uh, we want to pray this morning for Ron and uh, the Reese's, um, help with their ministry, that you would give them strength. Uh, with all the things that they have going on and that they'd be able to minister to the people around them. Lord, help us to make wise decisions um, as we reach out to the people around us and also, Lord, wise decisions with the financial gifts that you have given us too. And Jesus, oh, bless, bless this sermon today. Bless this service today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning, for our time to worship you in song. We continue to pray that you will guide us through as we read your word, and also as we have fellowship with one another. Thank you for bringing us into this gathering place this day. In thy precious name, amen. Amen. It is good to be with you. I want to say on behalf of my wife, I thought when, when, uh, when Scott was praying about that, I thought, well, maybe, I, yeah, we're like not separated, okay? We're, we're yeah, we're just, we're just in two different places, okay? <laughs> yeah. 
So Stephanie's taking care of uh, our parents uh, throughout the summer. And so hopefully the plan is, is that uh, Labor Day after Labor Day, I'll go down and get her and Buddy and bring them back. So that's, that's the goal. But um, she would want me to say, and I would like to say too, um, just thank you very much um, for your hospitality. Thank you to the marshals uh, for putting up with me for six days at the lake. And uh, thank you for everybody who helped out with uh, getting the duplex ready. It's wonderful. It's a great place uh, to, to retreat to. So I am very, I'm very thankful for that. If, if you didn't meet me before, three weeks ago I was here and I candidated. And um, my name is Adam Wolfgang. I'm with an organization called IPM, Interim Pastoral Ministries. And I'm someone who comes into a church that's going through a transition, and I walk with you all the way through the transition until you get pastor, the next pastor. And I help with that process. So um, that's, that's who I am and why I'm here. But while I am here, I'm your pastor. And I, I'm thankful for all the name tags that you put on so that I can start to uh, put names with faces. And I'm thankful for all the uh, interaction that you've had with me. I, I like high communication, so as you see emails come out, uh, don't, don't, be, don't hesitate to email, email me back or give me a call or something like that. Um, I want to be in contact with you as much as I possibly can. Um, I heard that someone had a birthday this last week. Who was that? Is that this young lady right here? And she turned 94? Yeah, so like, yeah. So anybody above their 90s, okay, they deserve a birthday song, okay? So all the men rise, all the men rise, and uh, we're going to sing happy birthday. Everybody can sing happy birthday, but I, got the, I get the men to stand up so their voices will project out, okay? So it's Marie, Marie, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Marie. Happy birthday to you. <clears throat> there you go. You may be seated. Now, if you want that twice, come to the second service, okay? Yeah, you get that both times. Um, so a couple of announcements this morning. The first one was this, and thankful for those that entered, um, talked about this last week, this interview form that's in the back of your seat. Stage one of the IPM process is to meet with as many of you as possible. This is not something that you turn in. It just helps you, before we have that interview, to think through some of these things. It just helps our conversation along. In the foyer on, at a table you will see a sign up there. And I would like to get this completed in July and August. So you'll see all different times that you can sign up. And, and I usually take married couples together uh, kind of thing. But this is just a tool to help you kind of our conversation move along. So that's, that's number one. Uh, number two is the sermon notes that I've given to you. Um, now, usually they're not this long. Okay, this, we're starting a book of the Bible this morning, and usually when you start a book of the Bible, there's a lot of content at the very beginning of it kind of thing. And even as I was working through this, I realized, oh, I'm not even going to get through this whole sermon. Um, so if you, if you turn to page two here, you can put a line underneath in between Genesis 4.1 and Matthew 20. That's as far as we're going to get, okay? That's as far as we're going to get. I found out from the deacons that we are ordering some scripture journals. And I thought, well, I'll show you what one of these things is. Uh, a scripture journal is usually one book of the Bible that has the scripture on one side and a writing surface on the other side. And lots of times when I preach through a book of the Bible, I offer these so that you have an, a place where, you're, where you can jot some things down. Sometimes I'll give you instruction on what to do as we're going through the scripture. Like uh, when we went through the book of Haggai, um, I had them, every time we saw the Lord of hosts, that phrase, the Lord of hosts, we put a box around it. And lo and behold, in those two chapters, 53 verses, there were 13 Lord of hosts that were there. So when you get done with this, you have your own little commentary um, that you can, you can go back to. 
Some of the books of the Bible, it's just that book. Um, some of them, if they're shorter books, there'll be multiple books, like this one was Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. The, the one for 1 Peter will have 1 Peter, 2 Peter, and Jude. And so if you, hopefully, maybe next week we might have them. If you want to pick one of those up and use it as a tool, um, it, it, I found it is very, very helpful as we go through books of the Bible. Now, why are we going to 1 Peter? That's where we're going to be this morning. Um, three weeks ago, I said, I just mentioned that, um, well, yeah, I've got a clicker thing here, don't I? I almost forgot about that. Um, three weeks ago, I mentioned that Peter in the Bible is a great person to look at for transformation. And if you look at Peter in the Gospels, and then you look at Peter in the book of Acts, tremendous difference between the two. And so I thought, well, let's go to the end, and let's go to 1 Peter, where Peter now is looking back. He's a senior citizen now, and he's looking back, and he, and he refers actually to some things in the Gospels. He refers back to some things in, in Acts, but he's giving his, his kind of some of his final words to the church. And so that's why we're going into 1 Peter this morning. Uh, so I titled this, um, and let's see if I can do it, guys. Yeah, some senior Saint Peter's, some of Senior Saint Peter's final words to the church, and we'll do First Peter one one and two this morning. I want to stop right there and 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 ask you: Do you have a senior saint that you go to? Do you have a senior saint that you go to? Do you have someone that you go to? that has, has been walking with the Lord for a long time. And you go to them specifically because you know that they will keep you grounded in the Scriptures. What they're going to tell you is going to come from the Word of God. You're going to be instructed from them. Do you have one? If you don't, I'd encourage you to get one. Now, my very first church, I've had many of these, but my very first church, um, there was a lady named Barb Aldridge. And Barb Aldridge was in her 70s. I was in my early 20s. And um, Barb Aldridge was the treasurer of the church. Now, logically, she should not have been the treasurer of the church. She was a little mathematically, uh, there, there was a challenge there. But spiritually, she was supposed to be the treasurer of the church. And I, I, I remember um, <clears throat> many times sitting down with Barb and doing the bills. And when we got done with the week's um, bills, there would be 10 cents in the ledger. That's all there would be, nothing else, no reserve, no nothing. And then we would commence to pray for the next Sunday. And I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you, honestly tell you, I, I long for those days. I really do. Because what were we doing? We were leaning on God every single week for that. And so uh, I remember we, the furnace went out. Whoa, what are we going to do? You know, and, and we had a meeting, we called a meeting and everything else. And this was way when, when you could write a check and it took three days to clear. Remember that? Remember those days? And I remember Barb standing up in the meeting and she said, Pastor, Pastor, she said, let's just write the check and God will bring it, bring it in before it clears. And I was just like, I'm 20 years old and I'm going, ah. <laughs> well, we did that, but Anyway, so I had an opportunity um, uh, quite a few years later when she's on her deathbed and she was in the hospital, and I was swinging through that area and I was able to stop and to uh, sit by her bed. And boy, I so wished I could have heard just a few more of her words. And uh, but she wasn't able, you know, she wasn't comatose kind of thing, and she wasn't able to do that. So I just spent that whole time I was with her just relaying all the things that we had done together and all the things I had learned from her. So I, I pray that you do have a senior saint. And we're going to look at Peter this morning, who is a senior citizen saint of the church. And these are some of his final words before he will be uh, crucified, before he will be martyred. And so these words are very important to us. Three weeks ago, I'll get there to the sermon, don't worry. Uh, three weeks ago, I talked about what do we do in a transition? 
and I gave you five things. The first one was we be obedient in the plain things. We be obedient in the simple things of life. We continue to do that in a transition. Number two is that we elevate Scripture. We elevate Scripture. Scripture is our guidance. Scripture is what guides us through this transition. Where do we, if we don't have an answer, where do we go? We go to the Scriptures. The third one is that we keep on mission. And as we keep on mission, we realize even in the transition that He has called us to be witnesses of the risen Lord, and He has also called us to make disciples. So the mission, even though we're going through a transition, has not changed. Number four, we elevate prayer. That prayer is absolutely essential as we go through a transition. I would, I would hope for you to know that if you have a need and you say, man, I, I just need to share this with Pastor Adam. I, I don't care where it is that we would just stop and pray about that need. And that should be commonplace within the four walls of this building. Prayer. And then number five, number five, the, the last one was, is when Peter said, uh, you know, we haven't even casted lots yet because we got this out of Acts 1. We haven't casted lots yet, but you have chosen. He gave sovereignty to God. He, he pointed to God and said, God, you are in control. And so even in a transition, we have to step back and realize that, wait a minute, God is in control. So why do I go through books of the Bible is that reason number two. Reason number two is that we need to be guided through Scripture. And so here we go, First Peter. Um, what I typically do is um, I, I, I go through the three A's when I approach a book of the Bible. So the first is the author, and the author is Peter. And self-proclaimed. And then I look at the audience. Who's the audience? Well, the audience is first century Christians, and you could probably add to that Gentile Christians in the region of modern-day Turkey, an area called Asia Minor, which would be east of Rome. And then I look at when was it autographed? When was it autographed? And they put it at autographed at 62 to 63 AD. Now, if you look at those numbers, you'll realize that, wait a minute, this is just 30 years after Jesus died on the cross, buried in the grave, rose on the third day, and ascended into heaven. So we're just 30 years out from that. We know that Peter was one of the oldest disciples, and so then you can add those years onto that and realize, well, wait a minute, he is, yeah, he's right around a senior citizen age. More about the climate of this time. There's the burning of Rome in July 19, 64 AD, the burning of Rome. If you know your history on this, Nero blames the Christians for it. Now, why is he blamed the Christians for it? Well, because the Christians at that time were hated. People hated the Romans, specifically hated the Christians. Here are some reasons why. Emperor worship, they would not say Caesar is Lord. They would not say that because Jesus is Lord. So they hated them for that. They also hated them um, because they, they had to worship down in the catacombs is where they had to worship. And so they heard stories coming out of the catacombs about this group of Christians that met together on a regular basis. And one of the things they heard was that they would kiss one another, greet one another with a, 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 a holy kiss kind of thing. Well, what they did was they took that phrase and they expounded that as far as they possibly could, and that's as far as I'll take it. And then another thing they did was they, had, they celebrated a supper together. They would eat together. But when, when they ate together, they talk about eat his flesh and drink his blood. And so they expounded that to make it that these Christians must have been cannibals, that they're eating each other's flesh and blood. Um, another thing in which they hated them was because the Christianity was sweeping across Rome. And as it was sweeping across Rome, there started to become mixed marriages. And what I mean by mixed marriages is there were some, one spouse would become a Christian, the other would not. And so there was disruption that was going on in the homes during that time. But the last thing was that these Christians kept talking about that this earth, this, uh, uh, that there would be a new heaven and a new earth someday. 
and this earth would be dissolved by what? Does anybody know? Fire. Well, there you go. The easy point at the Christians for blaming them for burning the church. But that just kind of gives you an idea of what the climate is. Here's another thing. The Christians find themselves in a society that would literally burn them along with other types of persecution. Would literally burn them. So they would tar them and put them on a stake and light them so that they would have light around their parties. That's what the Christians were enduring. They would put them on a rack and stretch them, their joints right out, trying to get them to say, Caesar is Lord. They would put them into the arena with the lions and have the lions feed upon them. And they would actually even hunt them down as sport, okay? So I just, I give you that, and I know that sounds gory and but I give you that content because I want you to realize the audience in which Peter is writing these words to, who he's, who he's communicating with, with these words at this time. Um, as we will see in Peter, that there is a, he, he mentions the suffering and he mentions the suffering in every chapter. So if you have your Bibles, if you go to chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, I just want to show you every chapter, he's going to talk about their suffering. So chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, it says, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and the glory and the honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now we go to chapter 2 and go to verse 21. He mentions it again. For to this you have been called, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Well, if he's an example for you, then that means that you have been suffering. And it says of him in verse 22, who did no sin, nor was there any deceit found in his mouth. Here's the example that we are to follow in verse 23 who being reviled was not reviling in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Chapter three, go down to verse 13. He brings it up again. And who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer, there it is, for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their fear, And do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and fear, having a good conscience, so that in the thing in which you are slandered, there's another type of suffering, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. And then he tops it with this, for it is better if God should will it so that you suffer, there it is again, for doing good rather for doing wrong. Go to chapter 4, chapter 4 and we uh, at verse 12. Beloved, do not be do not be surprised at the fiery trial. There it is again, among you, which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you, but to the degree that you are sharing the sufferings, there it is, of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also the redemption of his glory may Rejoice in his exaltation. And if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of the glory and of of God rests on you. And then chapter five, he does this every chapter. Chapter five, verse 10. And after you have suffered, there it is, suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, strengthen, confirm, and ground you. So this book is Paul or Peter writing to these Christians who are being heavily persecuted, and and you see it in every chapter of the book. Now, why was it written? If you're still in chapter 5, you go to verse 12, and it says, through Silvanius, our faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written to you briefly. So either, either, um, Peter is relaying this to Silvanius and he's writing it down, or 
Salvanius is the one who is taking it to these Christians, these different groups of Christians. He says, exhorting and bearing witness that this is the true grace of God, stand firm in it. This is why he wrote the book. Exhorting, another word for exhorting is encouraging. I'm writing this book, I'm writing these words to encourage you and also to bear witness. I am a witness of the risen Lord to bear witness of this, that this is the true grace of God. I want you to know from the horse's mouth, Peter is saying, from the horse's mouth, that this is the true grace of God. And therefore, because it is the true grace of God, stand firm in this persecution. Don't let up. Stand firm. Now, I like the, this is one of those examples where we can see Peter is looking back. He's, why is he doing this? He's doing this because of something that happened in Luke chapter 22. If you want to flip there, Luke chapter 22, Jesus is in the upper room. He celebrated the Passover, and, um, and, and he's also instituted the, last, the Lord's Supper and, and went through that. And then the disciples get into an argument again, a running argument that they have, who's the greatest, who's the greatest. And, and then Jesus turns to Peter in verse 31 and says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat. He's demanded that. He's, he's asked that. It's not any different than uh, uh, Satan in the book of Job asking God, about Job. He's he's asked to do that. Verse 32, it says, but, anytime it says but in the Bible, circle it, because that's really important. But I have prayed earnestly for you, that your faith may not fail, and you, once you have returned, I'll stop right there. Look at what Jesus just told Peter. He just told Peter, before he ever gets to the next verse, he tells them that, yeah, you're going to leave me at some point. But then I'm also telling you, you're not only going to leave me, but you're going to come back at some point. And you're not going to lose your faith. And so when you get back to me, Peter, this is what I want you to do. The next phrase there is strengthen your brothers. That's what I want you to do. So here's 30 years later. 30 years later, he's writing these words to these Christians. And what's the purpose of writing that book? To strengthen the brothers. Why is he doing this? Because Jesus told him to 30 years prior. The rest of that interchange here, just to keep Peter in context, verse 33. But he, Peter, said to him, Jesus, Lord, with you, I'm ready to go to both prison and to death. I'm ready to go right now. You know, and, and Peter would go to prison. And he would go to death, but not right now, not yet. And so Jesus has to correct him in verse 34. And he said, I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied me three times that you know me, that you know me. Okay, enough context. Let's go to these two verses that we're going to look at this morning. Two verses that we're going to look at this morning. So back in 1 Peter, the reading of God's word here, verse 1 and 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as exiles, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to the obedience of Jesus Christ, and the sprinkling of his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Let's pray again. Heavenly Father, we thank you always for your word, infallible, inerrant word of God that has been bestowed upon us, Lord, that we can read individually and corporately. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your son that you have given, that was laid in a manger, that was laid on a cross, that was laid in a tomb, but rose on the third day, ascended into heaven, and we thank you that he is coming again. And we thank you, Father, this morning for the Holy Spirit given to your children to guide us in your truth. 
And we ask the Holy Spirit to guide us in the truths of this passage of Scripture this morning. In thy precious name, amen. Amen. Um, I'll get these clicking right. What do we know about Peter, especially in the early years? Now, not talking about Acts, but Peter in the Gospels. Now, this is your participation place, okay? So you can shout out at me. What do we know about Peter in his early years? What are some things you know about Peter? He was compulsive. He was old, bold. He was bold. What else do we know about Peter? He was a fisherman. Yeah, at times he doubted. Yep. What else do we know about Peter? What are other physical things do we know about Peter? He walked on water for a while. Uh, He was married. I heard that one. What else do we know about Peter? Did he have a brother? Yeah, Andrew. He had a brother named Andrew. Was he married? Somebody said that one. Was he married? Um, What was his hometown? Anybody remember? His hometown was Bethsaida, but then he had a fishing industry in what town? Capernaum. Capernaum is where he was. And um, let's see, a few, oh, his, we call him Peter, but his name is, his original name is what? Simon. And Jesus changed it to Peter. And then what is Peter in Aramaic? Cephas. Who said that? Yeah, yeah, you get it. Get that man a sucker. <laughs> um, now, the whole point of going through that <clears throat> is that we know a lot about Peter. And actually, we know a lot about Peter because he is the um, second most uh, talked about person in the Gospels right next to Jesus. So that's why we know so much about this man named Peter. Now, he calls himself Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. An apostle is one who is sent out as a representative of the whoever. And so he says, I'm a a representative. I'm a sent out representative of Jesus Christ. That's how he introduces himself. I learned this a few years ago. They had different ships during that day. And different ships had different names. And there was actually a ship that was called an apostle ship. And if it was an apostle ship, then it was a ship that was sent out from point A to point B, but it had to have a cargo. So you could have a ship that was sent out from point A to point B, but if it didn't have a cargo, then it was not an apostle. They wouldn't call that an apostle ship. And I thought, man, that's such a beautiful picture because he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. What did he do? Jesus sent out those apostles. He sent them out from point A to point B. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. But he sent them out. Did he send them out empty? No. He sent them out with a cargo. And there's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's such a beautiful picture for us today that we are sent out. We are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We are representatives of him. We are to be salt and light to this world. And we go from point A to point B. But do we go out empty? No. We have a cargo. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ, which I'm going to share at the end of the sermon with you. So um, there are some terms here that he uses. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as exiles, scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen. Some versions will have that chosen on verse 2. The numbers in the Bible are put in there by man. Um, In the Greek, it's all put together kind of thing. But there's these words there. And some of these words might make you squirm. I was really glad the way that Scott prayed this morning. He said, I pray that he has boldness to speak the word of God as it is. And so here are some of those words that that you have to stop and you have to say, what do these mean? Don't jump over them. Don't skirt them. What do they mean? So in in some versions, they'll say elect exiles. The version I read out of said reside as exiles, dot, 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 who are chosen. Another version said the choice sojourners. So let's look at that first one, exiles. 
The word exiles actually means stranger. It means foreigner. It means sojourner. It means from another country living among the natives. That's what it means. Some could say this morning that I am an exile. I'm living among the natives in Wisconsin. Yeah, you're supposed to laugh. Ah, <laughs> yeah. They would understand this term because their forefathers have been exiles at times. They came out of the promised land and were in exile to Egypt. And they were under, among the natives, they were among the Egyptians under the influence or the power of the Pharaoh. Later on, they would also be exiles to Babylon. And as they were exiles to Babylon, they were from the promised land in Babylon under the power of King Nebuchadnezzar. And, and later, the, Merds and the Mer, Medes and the Persians. So they know this whole thing about exiles. But now when Peter is writing this, he says you reside as exiles. You're, you're, you're residing now in the same way, but you're of another kingdom. This, this is not your kingdom. You're living here. But this is not your kingdom anymore. You're an exile, you're a sojourner, you're a foreigner to this world because you are a part of another world. You're a part of another kingdom. Remember who he's writing to. People are heavily persecuted. You're a part of another kingdom. Then he uses the word elect, and that word means chosen. That's just what the word means. It means picked out for oneself. That's what it means. So a good way of, a uh, couple good ways of looking at this word. So we have elections. We have elections. And we go to the booth and we vote. And there are people that are running for office. Do they know that they're going to be elected? Do they, do they know? No, they don't know until they are chosen. And they're, do they choose themselves? No. Who chooses them? We, we do. We're the ones that choose them. We draw the lever and we choose them. And then they find out and then they are in that position. Okay. A better one, a better one is remember grade school and, and, and like junior high gym class. And they, and you had to be, and, and, and they had, they picked teams. Remember that? Oh, this is a bad memory for me. And they get the two jocks up there, you know, and, and, and what, would they, what would the two jocks do? They would choose. They would pick. How would they pick? Well, they would pick to their best advantage. And so you're out there, sitting there. I'm, I'm out there going, okay, now do you know which team you're going to be on? You have no idea who, which team. Now you might if like the, one of the guys is your best buddy and you give him the evil eye, you know, like you better pick me. You know, but you don't know. You don't know until he says your name. And so that's, that's a better picture of it for me to realize that that's what he's talking about when he talks about choose, that, he's, that he's, it's picked for his benefit, picked for his benefit. So in the next verse, or let's go to uh, a couple verses. Keep going backwards on that, sorry. Let's go look back at this word exile first. This word exile Peter uses this word in verses 17 through 19 in chapter 1. And if you address the Father as one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in the fear of the time of your sojourn. So he reiterates it again. You're in a time of sojourn. And while you're here, make sure to conduct yourselves in fear during this time of sojourn. Verse 18 knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from the feudal conduct inherited from your forefathers. Realize that, that your worth does not come from that. Verse 19, but with precious blood, as of the lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. That's what makes you a part of the other kingdom. That's what makes you a part of it. Go to chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. He'll say it again. He'll use this terminology. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles 
to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. soul. So these things are, are happening in the culture, fleshly lusts that war, wage war against the soul. But he says, urge you as soldiers and exiles of another country. Verse 12, by keeping your conduct excellent among the Gentiles. So in the thing which with they slander you as evildoers, they may because of your good works, because you don't go along with them, as they observe them, because you're living it out while you're here, glorify God in the day of visitation. I can't wait to get to that verse when we want to preach that one. Um, let's look at another part of Bible. Um, let's look at Paul. He will use the same type of terminology in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, and verse 20. Listen to the terms he uses here. He says, for our citizenship is in heaven. He just flat out says to the Christians, he says, your citizenship is in heaven. As a Christian, your citizenship is in heaven, from which you also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The main thing that should be on your mind is the second coming of Jesus Christ for his return. And then he says, who will transform the body from our humble estate into conformity with the body of his glory by his working through which he is able to even subject all things to himself. There's going to be a transformation. And that as a Christian, that's what you are looking forward to, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And therefore, you are a citizen of heaven. Let's look at one more. The writer of Hebrews, writer of Hebrews in chapter um, 11, which is the great um, faith chapter, chapter 11 and in verse 13, he's speaking about the saints of the Old Testament that followed after God. He said, all these died in faith without receiving the promises but having seen them and have welcomed them from a distance. So they knew of the promises and they held on to those promises, even though they didn't see it physically. And having confessed that they were, and look at the words there, strangers and exiles on this earth. So even back in the Old Testament, they saw them as strangers and exiles on this earth. Now let's go back to our passage. So that's a terminology that's used in the scriptures when he's talking about Christians. Back to our passage, it says, to those who reside as exiles scattered throughout Pontius, uh, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who are chosen. He says they are scattered. Here's another dispersion that's happening, a scattering. Now, this one is mostly Gentiles. In chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, you'll see that, that he's speaking to the Gentiles. And so there's great persecution in Rome. It's driving the Christians out, the Gentile Christians out, and there's this dispersion. In James 1.1, 1, 1, if you flip back just probably a couple pages, you'll be there. James 1.1, 1, 1, James talks about the other dispersion, which was mostly Jews. James is the half-brother of Jesus. James is the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And he writes, James, a slave of God, to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes, who are in the dispersion, greetings, the 12 tribes, meaning about the Jewish people, but the Jewish Christians. And so just like there was persecution in Jerusalem, and then the Jews were, the Jewish Christians were persecuted so much that they scattered. So here we have another one of those where there's great persecution upon the Christians in Rome, and they are scattered all throughout Asia Minor. Okay. Now, the next verse Verse 2, he says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, that's number one, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, that's number two, number three, to the obedience of Jesus Christ and the sprinkling of his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Anytime um, I see a graft I can make, I make a graft. I, I just love making graphs. And, and, and this this verse here is graph material. Because remember, Peter is saying, senior Saint Peter, senior citizen Peter is saying some final words to them. What does he want these people to know that are going through deep persecution? First thing is the Trinity. And you'll notice that in, in that scripture. He talks about the Father. He talks about the Son. 
and he talks about the Spirit. And I would encourage you, anytime you see that in the Bible, anytime as you're reading through the Bible and you see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, you'll be surprised how many times that is brought up in one concise place, and there, lo and behold, there is the Trinity. Now, that's the usual way that we say it. We say the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Peter kind of mixes it up, and he says the Father, and then he mentions the Spirit, and then he mentions the Son. I think there's a reason for that. What's he talking about? He's talking about salvation at this point, because he ends it with the sprinkling of the blood. Well, sprinkling whose blood? Jesus' blood. He's talking about salvation here. And so he wants his readers to know that that God, the Godhead, is involved in their salvation as they're going through persecution, to remember this. So the Father planned it, the, the Son purchased it, and the Spirit polishes it. Now, you see, I like alliteration, too. I'll, I'll work on words for a long time to get them all to, to line up kind of thing. How do we know it says the Father planned it? Well, because of the words they used. It said, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. According to. So that means it's a, he, he's the one that it, where it originated from. And actually, another way of in, uh, in interpreting that is down from. It means the same thing. That, that this is down from the Father, down from God the Father. The Son purchased it. The Son purchased it, and it says, uh, to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And that's kind of a play on words. Because as we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are to be obedient to Jesus Christ, but we are being obedient to Jesus Christ because He has been obedient to His Father. He has been so obedient to His Father that there's been the sprinkling of his blood, the shedding of his blood on the cross. And so there's the words there that are used. Um, Prepositions in the Bible can have many different um, ways that you can write it down. So into, unto, to, for, and among. I like the among because while we're being obedient to Jesus Christ, we're being obedient to the one who has been obedient to God the Father. And then the Spirit polishes it. And, And it says, Um, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit. So in, by, and with, that that you are not alone. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the Spirit resides within you. He is with you, and He's continuing to work on you to transform you. So I'm going to go past the marks. We'll come back to that. Here's the theology behind all of this. And usually this is the way we talk about it. We talk about justification, sanctification, and glorification. Okay, if these are three foreign terms, don't worry about it. I'll get you caught up. Justification, that's all about Christ and the cross. That's all about the substitutionary atonement. That's all about him paying the ransom for our sins. Okay? And, and, and because of that, we can be justified uh, only because of his righteousness. His righteousness is imputed onto us. That's, that's the only reason that we can be justified and stand before a holy God because of what he's done. That's justification. Then there's sanctification. Sanctification comes after justification. Sanctification is that part that now you're set apart. And, and, and there, is a, there is a holiness that is being grown in you through the reading of the word, through the Holy Spirit guiding you in his truth that you would become more and more Christ-like. That's sanctification. And the last one is glorification. Glorification is that time when we will be face to face with the Father. That is the woohoo, that is the day kind of thing when we will be glorified before the Father. Okay, so that's usually the order that we go in. But Peter goes backwards. Peter starts often talks about God the Father and according to the according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. And and so he starts with glorification. He he starts with that you are going to see G- you're going to see God face to face. And then he goes back to sanctification, but right now while you're being persecuted, right now know that the spirit is with you. And know that the spirit is working in you and with you and uh, as you abide through this suffering. And 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 why have you been put in this place because of the justification that is made known to you? through the blood of Jesus Christ. So he kind of takes them backwards. Now, I'll go back to the marks. When look at the center one, the sun, justification, the cross, we understand that. 
because we hear that over and over again. We hear about the cross. We focus in on that. So in all four of the gospels. And so we, we got probably a pretty good handle on that he took our place kind of thing. And, and, and his suffering on the cross paid the penalty so that we would not uh, uh, suffer the wrath of God. Okay, so we, we kind of got that one down. The spirit one where he carves us, see, I make all these words match up. He carves us. We, we kind of understand that too. We, uh, the Holy Spirit, maybe, uh, I'm not so sure about the Holy Spirit, but I know that be, when I became a Christian, that there's some things that have changed in my life. I've experienced those changes in my life. And, and therefore, because I've experienced those changes, I see that he is transforming me. There's, and, and some of you have very dramatic transformations where others are, it's more gradual as you go along. But, but you should be able to look back and go, there's, God has been working on me. And so you understand that one. It's probably the first one that's the hardest one. That you are chosen. You are chosen by God. And so this is where you might squirm a little bit, but we can't dance around these words. So there's my chart. Be ready for a lot of those. So let me see if I can get through this. There's a foreknowledge. It says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. That word foreknowledge, the word itself means forethought, means prearrangement, means predetermined, means a deliberate choice. That's what that actual word means, a deliberate choice. And I hope to show you through the scriptures that, that it's more than what I was taught, that Jesus, that God knows everything, God knows everything, and God just kind of looks down the corridor of history, and he sees who's going to pick him, and then those are the chosen ones. I hope to show you through the scriptures that it's more than that. It's more than looking forward into history and knowing our responses. Because if you really hold on to that tightly, if you really hold on to that tightly, that means that God's choice is based off of your choice. That you determine his choice. And, and that's where this view gets in problem with the scriptures. Because at this point, we've switched roles. It, can he be sovereign if it all depends on me? See, and that's where it squirm. <laughs> that's where you go, oh. Now, I don't have every answer to this. I don't. I don't have every answer to this, but I know that this is in the scriptures over and over and over and over again that God has a predetermined plan that he is fulfilling. And Peter is, for some reason, saying this as a comfort. He's saying, I want, I, I, I want to remind you of this while you're going through the suffering. This is one of the things I want you to remember, that you are chosen of God. Now, let me see if I can get through a couple of these. So even in um, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, just to kind of show you that it's more than just him knowing and looking down the, the quarter of time. He says, he, now in that verse, he's talking about Jesus. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. Jesus was known before the foundation of the world, but appeared in these last times for the sake of you. So is, Je is God talking about looking down the quarter of time and it's going, oh, there's a Jesus guy, and he's going to die on a cross? And no, because we know John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with Him in the beginning. So we know that when He uses that word foreknown, it's, it's not about looking down. No, He's talking about something that was decided ahead of time about, this, about Jesus, and that Jesus would be manifested later in our time, in our time, to fulfill it. And that's a beautiful picture of our salvation. We are chosen. And there will be a time in our future, in our time, when that will be revealed to us and we will be able to respond to it. Respond to it. The next verse, I should probably read that next verse. Um, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead, gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Um, Acts chapter 2, and I'll end with this one. 
Um, didn't get as far as I wanted to. Uh, Acts chapter 2, Peter again, on the day of Pentecost, is preaching to that great crowd. And listen to what he says. And all I'm trying to do is say, hey, let's look at this word in the context of the Scripture, and what does it mean in the context of the Scripture, so that we don't misinterpret the word. Chapter 2, verse 22, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God did through him in your midst, just as you yourself know, you guys are all witnesses of what Jesus did. You knew Jesus the Nazarene, and he did all these things. This man, meaning Jesus, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. See, that's how, he, that's how that word is used in the scriptures. Talking about something that God had planned ahead of time. And then it says, you nailed to a cross by the hands of lawless men and put him to death. Then he says, but, there's another but, you circle that, but God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death. Because of what he did, we do not fear death any longer. Because we go from this life, where? To that kingdom. Since it is impossible to be held in that power. So, so I'm going to stop there. And I didn't get to the, the second half of this sermon was to be about choice, the word chosen. But I knew that this would be just like a lot of information. But if anything, I want you to realize that these words matter to me. And these words are given in the scriptures for us to understand in a better way. And to remember that Peter was writing this to comfort those Christians. As the team is coming forward, let me finish with this. If you have your sheet, you'll see on the back side of it, the gospel cycle. And I wanted to do this because I want you to realize that what does the Bible say? The Bible says that, there, that God created a perfect world. And there's a heart in there, in unity with himself. But do we live in a perfect world? No, we don't. There's that second circle where it's broken. We live in a broken world. Why do we live in this broken world? Because the Bible says, because of sin, that we have rebelled against God. We have resisted God. And therefore, we live in this broken world. We try to escape the broken world. We try to escape it through money and through fame and through stuff and everything, but, but it only gets out so far, and then it, boom, you're back into that broken world. Is there any way out of this broken world? And there is. And that's why you have the third circle. It has the cross in it. For God so loved the world, he so loved mankind, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him shall not, shall not perish, but have eternal life. So God sent his son, that's the arrow going down, to die on a cross and, and be buried in a grave. But on the third day, he would rise again. That's the arrow going up. And he ascends into heaven and he is coming again. That is the way of escape on that little circle. You put a little door there. That's the only way out of the broken world, okay? It is through him. And what happens, you may have heard that million, a lot of times. But maybe this time is the time that you realize, uh-oh, I, I see it. That's because God has opened up your eyes. He's warmed your heart. And you, he's given you faith to realize that Jesus is the only way out of this broken world. What do you do? You stop resisting and you repent. You, you, sin no longer rules your life. You, you submit to him. And therefore, you make him king of your life. You make him king of your life. And now it's his words over your words, his ways over your ways. And what happens then is you are restored back into God's kingdom. You went from resisting God to repentance to now being restored back into his kingdom. And you share in that, you're a citizen of heaven. You're a citizen of heaven now. And the Holy Spirit comes in and he gives you two G's. He gives you, he says, now I'm going to grow you. I'm going to grow you. I'm going to help you become more Christ-like every single day. And then the second G is I'm going to go you. I'm going to, you're going to go. And where are you going to go? There, on, that, on that chart, there's a dot line right back to the broken world. But he's going to send you back retooled. 
And what are you going to do in that broken world, ambassador of Jesus Christ? What are you going to do as salt and light in that world? What are you going to do? You're going to tell other people about the way of escape out of this broken world. And that way of escape is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Now, if you've heard that this morning, and, and that's a, a light bulb went off. Res, the response, the biblical response, is to repent. Is there, that's the biblical response to the faith that you have been given to. It, God gave the grace of His Son, Jesus Christ. He also gave you the faith to see Him as your Savior and Lord. And you respond with repentance. You respond with submission. You respond with obedience unto Him. You probably realized this morning I could have just kept right on going. I go longer and longer kind of thing. I'll get, I'll get used to the timing and all that stuff um, kind of thing. But um, again, this is part one of part two, okay? So I really encourage you to be back next Sunday to hear more about what Peter is saying here. But he's saying it as a comfort that as you're walking through perilous times, persecuted times as, as a Christian, to remember that God planned it, that God is in control, that Jesus purchased it on the cross, and the Spirit is there polishing you. He's polishing you, and He's walking with you through this time of persecution as you stand for Christ. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for this morning. Thank You for the opportunity to look into Your Word. And I, I pray that there, if there's anyone here this morning where the light went on, and, and they see You for who You are, that they would respond with that faith with repentance and, 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 and taking the crown off of their own heads and giving it to you and saying, I'm a, I'm, I'm a follower of him. Now I'm a citizen of heaven and, and I'm a sojourner and a foreigner in this land. And I have all of the Godhead that I can look to for support. And so God, uh, whoever that may be, help them in their first steps and to seek out maybe a senior saint, a senior saint that will pray with them. We ask this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. Have a good week, everyone. God bless you.